0: Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. Well, welcome to another episode of Unexpected Experts. Uh, This week on the podcast, I've got my friends Mitch and Laura Jay. Uh, Mitch is from the great province of Prince Edward Island, or PEI, uh, who found his way to Calgary and graduated from Rocky Mountain College with a Bachelor of Arts in Music as a guitar major. Uh, He is an accomplished guitar player. Uh, He's been playing pedal steel, for about six years, I think, and is a home recording artist who's toured with tons of bands and artists all over the world. He's a session musician as well with just as many album credits and appearances. He's a decorated, award-winning musician earning such awards as Steel Guitar Player of the Year, Specialty Instrument Player, and Musician of the Year at the CCMAs for quite a few years running. So, glad to have him on. And uh, his lovely wife, Laura, uh, is Uh, Laura is a born and raised Albertan girl. She graduated from Rocky Mountain College also with a Bachelor of Arts in Vocal Performance. Uh, She has worked and managed a really, really popular brunch place here in Calgary, OEB or Over Easy Breakfast. She has spent the last seven years working for WestJet as a flight attendant, which I would definitely love to talk about later. Side note, Um, Laura currently works at New Heights, which is a school for kids on the autism spectrum. And Laura is also the first soprano section leader in the New West Symphony and Chorus, which is the group that we both sing in, and is my standing buddy when there isn't a global pandemic forcing us not to stand next to each other. (laughs) Uh, Mitch and Laura are parents to two spunky, charming, hilarious boys, Silas and Odin, uh, who we'll definitely discuss a bit later. They are two incredible people and good friends, and it is my pleasure to have them on the show today. Mitch and Laura, welcome to Unexpected Experts.
1: Hello. Hey.
0: All right. I guess first question, maybe for you, Mitch uh, what, what brought you to Calgary from your home province of PEI? Well, um, I
2: initially came out here to, uh, to speed skate at the Olympic Oval.
0: No kidding.
2: Yeah, I grew up uh, speed skating since I was about 11 and uh, went to the Canada Games and stuff and wanted to go to the Olympics. So the natural place to be was where they had an Olympic Oval. So,
0: yeah, I guess that makes sense. That checks yeah. out. So I, uh, yeah, applied to the
2: UFC and went there <laughs> <laughs> for, chemistry,
0: for chemistry for a year. Um and and speed skated. That's a pretty cool mix, chemistry and uh, yeah. speed skating, or I guess physics in a way. It's like another lifetime, yeah. Life
1: time. Yeah.
0: It, yeah, it does
2: feel like another lifetime ago now, for sure. But yeah, at at
0: the ripe age of seventeen, that was the move. Wow, I'm curious about what's what's one thing in your mind that. Um, maybe sets PEI apart from the rest of the maritime provinces well first of all it's the most
2: windy so if you're a kite flyer (laughs) yeah that's a big up for that province um it like I guess this is maybe blunt but like it is an island and none of the rest of them are you're never really more than 20 minutes away from the coast on PEI as long as you drive in the right direction Wow, that's really cool. It's pretty great if you're into the beach. And uh, I don't know, growing up in a small place was awesome. Just like it's a joke about PEI, how everybody knows everybody, but it's kind of true and it's kind of (laughs) nice. So I always liked
0: that and still do. It's kind of like if a small town were just one island or one big piece of land.
2: Exactly. And then I think the fact that it – is an island. And I mean, it's connected by the bridge now. And it was connected by ferries when I was growing up, but it's still separate. It just always felt like this is this is who's here. This is what we've got. So you kind of make the most of it, I guess. When did that bridge get put in? If I remember correctly, 1999. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first day or I guess it would be the day before they officially opened it. They had this huge thing called Bridge Walk where you could walk across the whole thing. And then that's the only time you've ever been able to walk across it. It's illegal. Wow. Yeah. I didn't do it.
0: Great story, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I was only 11 at least. So, Oh, that's fair. Okay, uh, Laura, maybe what about uh, you, you said earlier that you grew up in or that you were born in Calgary and that you grew up in Sundry what was that like? I guess also living in a small town. Well, definitely a small town, but not an Island small town.
1: No, for sure. It's definitely a small town. I feel like when people are like, Oh yeah, I'm from a small town. Um, but I'll be like, yeah, how many people? And they'll be like, Oh, you know, like 30,000. And I'm like, no man, that's not a small town. I grew up, it was like 2000 people. So very intimate, very, you know, rural in a sense, I guess. Um, lots of like ranchers and farmers and stuff, but I mean, I just remember my immediate surrounding, like my siblings and whatever house we lived in and being outside, that was my childhood. So it was pretty awesome. And I'm, I think both Mitch and I have bonded lots over just the roots that come with growing up kind of, yeah, not in a city, I guess.
2: Yeah. Like it's not a competition whose place was smaller or anything, (laughs) but I guess Laura would win. Although I wasn't even in a town, so <laughs> oh, that's funny. Did you grow up like outside of town? I grew, yeah. I grew up about twenty minutes outside of town. Okay, um, but yeah, Laura and I have connected and have a lot of similar values. I think because of just growing up in small communities, and I see strangely lots of similarities in a, a place like Sundry and and the kind of vibe of PEI.
1: Yeah. Lower, slower pace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you run into people all the time and you know, I appreciate that now in hindsight, you know, as a kid, I obviously wasn't, it was just normal to just be like, Oh yeah. You see your pals when you're at the grocery store or whatever. But
2: yeah, I definitely growing up in PEI definitely sometimes would, would be like the guy wanting everyone to hurry up sometimes. But
0: (laughs) Hence maybe the speed skater choice of career, (laughs) but I, I appreciate it a lot now. Yeah, I've got a great aunt and uncle that live in Rimby in Alberta. Okay. And it's, it's another small town, real, real tiny, like maybe mm-hmm. maybe a 1,000 or 2,000 people in the area. It's real small, but they were uh, dairy farmers. Yeah. Nice. So we would always go up to the farm all the time as kids, and I was never a fan of it. It always stunk too bad for me. But, <laughs> but yeah, you get that, that small town vibe. Like everybody knew my great aunt and uncle whenever we would go into town. Everybody knew everybody. Yeah. So it was weird being the big city kid going to the small town to visit when typically it feels like it's usually the other way around.
1: Yeah, that's true for sure. Not if you live in the city, you don't often have a reason to go to like a you know a rural place yeah. per se, unless you yeah unless you have a relative there. Whereas yeah, we usually go to the city all the time for, you know, getting fine clothes or something like
0: that. So Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or to, to do the big trip into Walmart or something like that.
1: I mean, there was a store in Sundry growing up called Joyce's Fashions, but <laughs> I don't know. I I never got to go in there because I was a kid. So and that's so, <laughs> I should have been shopping there all along.
2: That was the same for us. Like there was no, there was a corner store, but to get groceries or anything, we had to go into Charlottetown. So it was always. I liked living in the country, though, because going to town was like an event. Like, <laughs> when you were a kid, my dad would have to go get something from Home Hardware and, like, do you want to come for a ride to town? And, like, that was it. You just went to Home Hardware and went home.
0: That was, like, the best part of your week was going into the oh, town. yeah. That was, like, the best thing that ever happened to Thursday night or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've been watching Letterkenny a bunch lately, and it's that same sort of thing. Like, everybody either feels like everybody in Canada is either from a small town or knows somebody from a small town. And that's yeah. definitely the feel of that show. It's just you know, small town. Did you know the pastor, the character who's the pastor on the show, is the
2: writer? No way. Yeah, that... Glenn. I had the same
0: reaction. <laughs> 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 he's the most off-the-wall character, but... Yeah, that is amazing. Well, cause I know, uh, Wayne or I guess Jared Kiso, he's the main like guy behind it. Like yeah. him and him and his buddies were the ones that came up with the initial idea. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I'm really loving that show. It's brilliant. It is very funny. Well, I would love to get into, um, how the two of you met, where was it? Um, how did it happen? When did the sparks start flying? Maybe a little, a little background. On, on Mitch and Laura J.
1: Ooh. Uh well we met in two thousand seven, I think. Two
0: thousand seven, yep.
1: yeah. At Rocky Mountain College, which it um that college actually doesn't really exist. It's an online learning area now, I believe. Um, but the actual physical campus doesn't operate anymore. So it feels interesting to Yeah. It feels like a Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it doesn't feel like it never happened. Obviously my whole life is (laughs) all my friends and all those people are from there. But anyways, no, no point of reference for folks who didn't attend there or grow up around, but small college in central Calgary and we were both in the music program.
2: I think we met at the choir rehearsal camp. It's like happens the weekend before school starts.
1: And I was pumped to be there. Um,
2: and I was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever I applied to Rocky, there was uh, on your like, I think syllabus would be the right word for it. That shows how much I've forgot since school. But <laughs> yeah, the, I think yeah, syllabus is the right word. Yeah. You had a choice of like a large jazz ensemble or choir, and I went to see the. Uh, I guess she'd be like the music coordinator at the time, Christina Vichy. And she was like, okay, so you'll he- you walking me through all my courses. And then she was like, okay. And so you'll head downstairs to see the choir conductor and, uh, he'll test your range and tell you what part you sing. And I was like, no, I don't sing. I want to, I want to be in the large jazz ensemble. And she was like, oh, that hasn't existed for several years. <laughs> oh, great. <And> I was <laughs> like, What? Um, and yeah, I wasn't, wasn't too happy about that for a long time. I have since learned to like singing and do it, uh, for fun even.
1: Have you since <laughs> learned to like choir?
2: Uh, you know what? I appreciate choral music. I don't know if I want to be in a choir.
1: <laughs> Jamie, he <laughs> might be treading lightly because of, of who you <laughs> no,
2: That's fair. I'm yeah. Not. You, you like are, music, but I, like choral singing is not, my my idea of a good time personally sure that's fair like yeah. being a part of
0: it i mean yeah but listening to it is nice <laughs> so yeah like I, being well, being a being a consumer you know of of the art form exactly that's
1: very different than being in it but we so we met there and we were friends for a few years in there just yeah. you know hanging out there we went on a choir tour together and just rocky is super small so you see of everybody each other. Everybody
2: knows everybody.
1: But I remember Mitch, um he decided to, you know, not, I don't, it wasn't make a move, but like whatever, do a grand gesture. I had a singing recital for my grad, like you have to do a senior recital and he showed up with flowers. And I think that was the first kind of um, indication that he was, yeah interested in me more than being a friend or whatever. So it's a good
0: move. It's a good move. I've never been very subtle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
1: so, um, yeah. I don't know. It, we, we don't have like a grand love story. We just, we started texting that summer a bit. I was in New York city for a little bit. I did a, like a short vocal program there, which was exciting and fun. And he was back home in PEI And I remember he hummed and hawed about driving down to New York, and I was not ready for that at all. We were not, (laughs) we were not dating at this point.
2: I definitely mapped it out, and definitely
0: was like, okay, that's quite far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like, how much am I really interested in this girl?
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And and to
2: to be fair, I did it on like a road atlas because our dial-up internet was too slow to do it.
0: So you, like oh, pulled okay. out the sharpie and drew it on the paper map and right. big circle around New York City. Don't know, you don't you don't disrespect a road atlas with a sharpie,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Right. Yeah, you don't get a new road atlas. No, you, you
2: can you can pencil things in lightly. but
0: that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this isn't the this isn't the goofy movie doing a, a, <laughs> a road trip across the country.
2: <laughs> that's
0: oh, awesome. that's funny. So then, how long have you guys been together? Since I guess yeah, two 2000- thousand. Oh no! You met in two thousand seven. We've yeah. been
1: uh, we started dating in two thousand nine. I
2: think
0: we're coming up on our ten year anniversary. Yeah. Wow.
1: We've, yeah. So
0: we've
1: yeah yeah we've been together for some time now
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> for some time now
1: Some time There's now some time we now. actually yeah we just it's our wedding anniversary in January and we just booked ourselves a you know a thing to celebrate so we're we're pretty pumped seems like a big deal
2: it's hard to celebrate the way you you would have thought um what with COVID being a thing so of course yeah we would have liked to like have a party yeah just to be like we love each other for 10 years everyone come over
0: (laughs) (laughs) but we won't be doing that
2: yeah we're just gonna Mm -hmm. go to Banff so
0: Hey man, there's nothing wrong with BAMF. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Oh yeah, no, we're pumped and we're going to um, have a little solo time away from the kids, which, yeah. Um, yeah, any parent parenting through this pandemic knows that that's not happening very often. So yeah, yeah babysitters are not really a thing that you do when there's a virus rampant. So yeah, you're
0: kind of like not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess actually that, that's a good transition into my next question about uh, the house that you guys live in. Uh, so tell me about the, about the compound <laughs> and, and how the compound came to be a thing and who else is living in the compound. And I'd, I'd love to hear the whole story about, about oh, I that know whole what are
1: thing. thinking right now. If they think we live yeah. with like 50 people in some sort of, <laughs>
0: it's place. it's not like a it's not like a military base or right? compound like that don't live in a place with 50 people
1: but would it be so bad if we did commun- no we're full we love communal living. communal living is awesome um so we a few years ago my like i've got three siblings that live in the city um and we were at like a family hang and we were just kind of throwing out ideas about how fun it would be if you know, just throwing out ideas. Like, wouldn't it be fun if we lived,
2: you know? I think first we said just like super close together, like in the same neighborhood. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and so this was specifically kind of talking with my eldest sister, Jennifer, and her husband, Joel. And it was casual. Like, you know, we both owned our own places at that point already. But Joel is just, if you talk about something, and then like Joel if, can look...
2: Like go ahead. If you say you want... Or think about buying a food truck once joel like shows you a kijiji ad for a food truck like 2 minutes
0: later <laughs> yeah what
2: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome that's,
1: that actually has happened we can talk about that later but mitch should open a food truck um but yeah it was a casual conversation but then honestly like i feel like it was the next day joel sent us a listing for a duplex in calgary um that was kind of unique it's it's on one piece of land. So typically duplexes often are subdivided like the land in half. And then each side of the duplex is owned separately. Um, but this one was just one title and a whole duplex. So, you know, a developer could buy it or, you know, someone who had the cash to buy the whole duplex and maybe live on one side and rent the other side. Um, and yeah, we just won it, Honestly, I think it was in December. we, just decided, you know what, let's go check it out. Like this happened. We probably talked about it like the week before Mm -hmm. Joel sent us this listing and we're all of a sudden find ourselves on Canmore road in the dark in the winter self-representing. Like we didn't have a realtor or anything, but
2: even when we were checking it out in my head, personally, I was like, are we doing this? Like, I was (laughs) like, like, I don't know if we are.
1: It kind of felt similar to like, you know, I grew up going to show homes with my mom just for fun. It kind of felt like that. Like, just you're feeling out your options, I guess, but not with any like sense of, you know, seriousness that it would actually come, come through. But then I remember Jen and I walking through the house, looking at each other, being like, Oh no, we love it.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, and it's not, our house isn't fancy. So, so anyways, the compound is this duplex that we bought with my sister and brother-in-law or our sister and brother-in-law. And it's like, Modest. It's got beautiful, like high ceilings with like teak.
2: That, that's the selling teak feature boards. That yeah. That's like the selling feature. It, it ramps towards the middle of the house to like 11 foot ceilings.
1: Yeah. And then it has these oh, big windows the in the front. Yeah. Looking out over Kenmore park in Calgary. Uh, yeah. And we're living the dream. It's been like nothing short of just so fulfilling to live life with people especially through this pandemic, yeah, but also,
2: especially during like the, you know, the true lockdown in the beginning of it. it yeah, was, absolutely. Like we just were like, okay, well we're not locking down from the other side of the duplex. Right. And so yeah, we didn't. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know what, to your point earlier, like having babysitters that close is yeah. massive and people that, you know, and people that you obviously trust. And yeah, that's, that is a really cool thing. Like, I, I keep trying to think about what it would be like to live next door to my brother. And I can't quite imagine it, but (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's really cool. That's really special. That's pretty amazing. That, uh, that the idea was just thrown out and then executed on that quickly. I didn't know it was that quick.
1: Oh, and it was wild JMO because we like, so that was in December and then it was the holidays, but then we bought this house and Mitch was on a one month tour across Canada with, uh, like a Canadian artist. So he was on a bus for 30 days and all in that time we put an offer on this house and then we listed our old house, which meant like getting it ready. And I also found out I was pregnant with our second kid. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was working full time and taking care of a toddler and wow. wild. And in, when we were in it, we were like, what are we doing? But Honestly, like it just it had to happen. It was meant to be. We just were so like life is just so good here.
2: So Yeah. I uh I learned how to sign things electronically during
1: that month. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. He got so many electronic documents of like
2: which was from which the realtors. Was a pretty easy trade off compared to what Laura was doing. So Yeah. Oh I'm
0: sure. Yeah, chaos. I can't I couldn't it, imagine like being a mom already and chasing Silas around. And he is, he's is a crazy dude.
1: He's yeah. <laughs> hes so
0: wild. Yeah. And then being pregnant uh-huh. and also selling a house and getting it packed up. And wow. Yeah. Hats off. Thank you. Off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely did my best not to have
2: any complaints along the lines of, well, the crowd just wasn't that into it tonight. And you know, like the, <laughs> the game, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> and
0: they didn't have my favorite beer, so it's a bad day. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to pick your battles wisely at that point.
1: I don't <laughs> think I yeah, didn't get to have any bad days that he shared to myself during that time. But no, yeah. Yeah, the compound is awesome. And then we also forgot to mention that for at that time, the house that we were living in, we also had a friend, Rachie, living with us in the basement. And this house had a suite as well, so she moved with us. So she was... She's part of the inaugural compound crew and always will be. She did. Yeah, move out that's this year right. Cause our kids turned into elephants and it was just too loud to have a friend living in the basement. But yeah. So for like, for the first two years living here, we were, yeah, there was the five adults and then um we have two kids and then yeah, Jen and Joel welcomed their little girl, Hazel as well. So we're growing our commune if you want in, <laughs> I don't think we're accepting applications. Actually, if
0: you want in, you you buy on Canmore Road. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Then then you can be next door neighbors to the compound, but then it's well, it's the comp- another arrangement. The compound just extends further. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah. If yeah. you buy on Canmore Road, we will be best friends with you. Oh yeah, that is a thing. Proximity is everything and I mean we also were really close we, we are good friends with Jen and Joel in case you listen to this. It's not just proxy
0: like we watch Tiger King with them that's <laughs> in their baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that takes a certain amount of like relational investment and trust <laughs> to do that <laughs> that's that's super cool too that um that Jen and Joel have like had Hazel in this time and that now there's cousins growing up next door to each other. I think that's so cool.
1: Oh, it is the best. It's great. Yeah. And with the big windows out front, we can just put the blinds up. And then when they, we send them over, our kids, we just watch them, like put their boots on and they book it out the front door, cross the lawn, and then you can hear the door slam next door and you know they're over at auntie and uncle's house. It's the best.
2: That is so cool. We don't quite trust Hazel to do that yet, but soon. <laughs> she'll, she'll
0: get there. She'll yeah. get there.
1: And we will.
2: Yeah, she'll be over here.
0: What's, what's that been like for you guys having like, I guess a sister or sister-in-law right next door with that much proximity, but also that separation, like having that wall down the middle of the house. What's that been like?
1: We should let the introvert answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
2: it's, it's been awesome. Like there's, there's definitely sometimes, I guess, as an introverted fellow that I come home and there are just unexpected human beings in, in our house. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I'll take that as a con, you know, against all the... It, it's not much against all the pros, I guess, of uh, of living the compound life, so to speak. And I yeah. mean... In the summer, if you come home and there's, like, a party in your backyard, basically, like, that is pretty nice.
1: No, I think we do get a lot of, like, sometimes folks who hear that we live, like, so intimately with a sibling, um, I mean, we're just lucky. We've had, like, I know that this is, like, not everyone's situation that they would want to live in, like, a daily routine with one of their siblings. I get that. Like, we we don't take that for granted, but I think we just, you know, like what Mitch was saying sometimes, sure. We, maybe we have um, occasionally overstep boundaries and like we're in each other's space when someone wouldn't want that. But I would say more often than not, we're just like, we're helping each other out and we're like living life and it's awesome. So yeah. I'm pumped that we're, we get along so well and we love Jen and Joel so much that we would live this way. Um, And I think we all realize that that's like a huge privilege to have, Mm -hmm. yeah, to have this and just to be reaping the benefits
0: of these like deep relationships. So, oh, absolutely. And I think it just speaks so well of the sibling relationship that you already have with your sister and I mean, with the rest of your siblings too. Like, the four of you guys are super tight. We are, yeah. So, that's pretty cool that the level of trust and friendship and familiarity that you already have with Jen is, mm-hmm. uh, is such that you are comfortable living literally a wall apart from each other. I think that's pretty special. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of brings us to the kids oh. a little bit too then. Um, so tell us about, uh, about Silas and Odin. <laughs> <laughs> like where to start, right? Yeah.
1: They're, hey, they're awesome
2: they're great yeah we love them they're um i don't know i guess typical children of their age they're quite
0: loud
1: <laughs> <laughs> mitch, is, so, the, mitch how,
0: is how old is stylist right now
1: he's four and a half
0: yeah four and a half holy smokes he's got a lot of yeah
1: he's not a like a little toddler anymore he's, he's a got a
2: lot of energy and uh, yeah we can't go a lot of places because of all the restrictions so sure we're kind of trying to make our own fun around home, which so has, has its limits, I guess.
1: Currently, there's a bouncy house in yeah. our basement. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're great. We we like hanging out with them. Yeah. I, I, and
0: I, I, did I, Odin just turn two? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, wow. yeah, we've got... I mean, we've got two boys, so it's they're loud, they're busy, they run all over the place. They, mm. are, you know, they are into tons of different things and
2: a lot of poop jokes right now. Oh yeah. Tons. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like changing the lyrics to every song to poop. <laughs> I do it too. I just like I just don't even fight it.
0: So Laura just stoops to their level of humor <laughs> and goes for it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you you uh you you stool, of, yeah. you stool to their level.
1: Uh, 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 uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very nice. No, they're but- like yeah. They're so fun. We have I mean Silas is like he doesn't feel like a little kid anymore. He's got like tons to say about
2: He's very into cooking. Yeah. He's cutting stuff up with real knives, which I'm still getting. No it. way. Yeah, that's
0: people No blood yet. Maybe people so. should
1: be concerned, but he's doing pretty
0: <laughs> Well, he's yeah. rambunctious enough and he's he's confident in his own ability. So I think that's pretty good.
1: He is. No, yeah, he's starting we're starting to get into the phase where he like we talk about like today before bed he was just like mom you're gonna die before i do and i'm just like cool (laughs) you know he is like turning i i just know that like we're at the cusp of him starting to ask all of those like wild questions wheels
2: are turning all day long these days
1: yeah
0: oh that is so funny yeah, he's, he's he's becoming very accustomed with mortality at such a young yeah, tender age. Yeah,
1: he, he's the other day he asked said that he wants to make sure he goes BMXing with both of us before we die. And I was like, well, <laughs> we we get to do that
2: yeah, to, for sure. Planning <laughs> for, on like, it,
1: planning on it. If you have something ominous, you need to tell us. Let me know.
2: Oh, no, man, it, it's That's kind so of funny exciting
1: and daunting at the same time to think about. Like, oh yeah, this little this little mind needs us to like not, not say the right thing by any means. Cause we are not always going to do that, but just like be intentional about the way that we communicate with him, which we've always tried to be, but just like, he's starting to ask, he's starting to get, you know, he's growing in his ability to understand things and all that. So. Hmm,
2: that's
1: yeah. Cool. And then Odie is just like a buffoon, I would say.
2: Yeah. That's a good, good word for him.
1: Yeah. He's
0: so goofy. Well, he's, he's, I feel like he's more of a sweetheart in a lot of ways than Silas is. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's a ham for sure. I can see what you mean. Yeah,
0: he can come across that way. He's more mischievous. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's playing. He's playing. I didn't do nothing, but he's like causing trouble everywhere.
1: He might have ulterior motives for his sweetness. I think
0: (laughs) that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Um, I guess Laura, you were. While while you were at WestJet, like we mentioned earlier, you were pregnant with Silas, right? Yeah. How the heck did you do that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean like as a flight attendant?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh man, I well, I had to move horizontally down the aisle. Is how I did that. Oh I, wow. Yeah, it was honestly, it was really fun and exciting, and I didn't think. I mean, I got a lot of comments. I flew until I was. 36 weeks pregnant, which like is fairly far along. Like I think typically they don't let passengers fly past maybe like 30 weeks or 32 weeks. I can't remember. Wow. So like Silas is (laughs) Silas in my belly has been on many, many flights, but I remember taking naps, like, you know, across the aisle, just like, you know, you land somewhere And then you're gearing up to take off, but maybe you were like a few minutes early. So you have like an extra 10 minutes and just, you know, being pregnant is, is exhausting. So I would, I remember taking naps, like in the weirdest places on that airplane and just trying to like, okay, I can muster up the energy and like do another flight, but it was fun. Yeah. And then I was happy once I went on mat leave with him, I didn't go back to flying. I, I got, I worked in a couple different positions within the company so that I didn't have to go away for long pairings and be away for days. So. Right.
0: Yeah. That's but, so wild. 36 weeks.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was like, it's that, it was like I felt good and I was, I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy. So I just at 36 weeks, then it was like, okay, I should, you know, we got to stop flying just in case you want to, you want to make sure you're local when you have your baby. <laughs> you know yeah,
0: just just in case you don't want to be delivering overseas by yeah. accident
1: yeah so I mean and I don't know and then at that point like I said I was wearing a like I would say like a poncho for a uniform they gave me
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was um it was a just a gaping dress thing that I wore and I was like yeah I'm good I could uh I could just be uh, working in the office now or at home so um Yeah. Fun times. I think I did a good number of years of flight attending for my personality. I lived it up for, I only flew for three years and I absolutely loved it. And I have very fond memories. And now when I go on flights, which I mean, I haven't this year, but now I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need to do that again. Like, you know, maybe in years to come, I could see myself doing some like long haul flying and getting to travel and stuff. You know, right. once the kids are older, but right now I like being close by. So,
0: What were what were some of the places that you flew to that you really loved? Places that really stuck out in your memory?
1: I mean, this isn't going to be fancy to anyone mm-hmm. because I did short haul flying. Like yeah. I never, I flew on the Q400, which is like a smaller prop plane. You play. ended
0: up some places you'd
2: never been that you loved.
1: Oh, for sure. So I'll tell you, I ended up in... Saskatchewan, all the time in Saskatoon, and my best friend lives out there. So I would just bid to get overnights there, and I would go out and rent a car and drive out to her farm and like hang out. I mean, the best part of that job was connecting with family and friends who live all over the place that you wouldn't necessarily like. Not my friend in Saskatchewan, I would see her. Um, but you know, I have lots of family in Winnipeg and I wasn't necessarily going to go on vacation to Winnipeg, but I would go there on a pairing and just get to connect and go see my grandma and grandpa or like my aunts and uncles or friends that I hadn't seen in a while. I don't know. I think it's just the truest sense of like the purpose of traveling is to, you know, connect, connect with people. Um, so I got to do that. And honestly, I went to places that I would never would have gone. Like I went to Terrace, which is in Northern BC. And I ended up there quite a bit and they have like amazing local restaurants there. Like I ate some tasty food cause on overnights that's main, that's the main goal is like, you get some good food, get yeah. some good food. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't fly anywhere exotic. I got to like, honestly, I've been to the winners in Grand Prairie like 50 times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, Saskatchewan is not really a, a destination location yeah,
1: flying with <laughs> so not like destination but it was like so fabulous to connect with people which i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't like to go to maui overnight for 24 hours oh, but sure. I, that was not my reality so
0: well and that's that's fair it's yeah. it's kind of weird too like i i hear stories on the other end of the spectrum too like my girlfriend's dad is a pilot with air canada okay and he flies all over the place like he's right. in Asia he's in the states he's in South America he's he's everywhere right um he was in I think it was Halifax during 9 11 oh and so he got grounded and he saw all the planes like parked on the runways he he was on one of the first planes out of Halifax on that day and he snapped a picture at the window of all the planes being parked on the runway he said he's never seen anything like it yeah. It's pretty cool, but he flies all over the world. Right. So I guess it's different too. And you know what, it's cool too that that you're able to take that time and see people that you love and see your friends and see family cuz yeah, a lot of people don't have that opportunity if they have family across the country.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I I feel like that was a major highlight for me. Was like if I if I was in a city for long enough and I knew someone there, I would try to see them because who knows you know i don't know just like why not i don't have any other i have nothing else going on
2: when you just have time on your hands and you're in a new city you're like oh what what are these things that are available to me in this city and then you're like oh if i know someone there that would be the best option
1: yeah
0: totally then you have kind of your own tour guide yeah
1: yeah and i mean also like the crews that i worked with i mean we would we would hang and have great times. Like I made some good friends and we would just run around whatever city we were in exploring. And that was really fun too. You almost have, at least like when I worked at West Encore, like you have a built in like, just like group of pals who also have nothing else going on in that city. So why not like go check out a brewery, go check out a restaurant and like do some random activity that the city says is like, you know, they're, their specialty or whatever. Cause it was a lot of mid like small cities or whatever. So there were some like very random things to
2: do. Like I think it's called the railway museum in Regina. It's actually pretty dope.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is very similar to Mitch being on tour, right? Like he gets, he's all over these random cities in Canada.
0: Well, of course. You're just yeah. like,
1: yeah. So we've, we've got similar kind of like ideas about like, Oh yeah, this is how you fill a night in, this random city in Calgary
0: or in Canada so actually that that's a perfect transition too I wanted to ask you Mitch about like touring and because you've been on the road for quite a number of years with quite a number of artists and yep. i'm I'm just curious to like pick your brain about what what touring is like and what performances really stand out in your mind with certain groups or I would I would love to,
2: yeah. to
0: take whatever you have to give on on that pretty cool, cool subject
2: um i really like like touring um like getting on a bus and going kind of town by town um i think it's it's kind of an, the the most old school way to connect people with music and um I've always loved that like growing up in p e i um music and specifically celtic music is a big part of the culture there um there's lots of kitchen parties that are just kind of a bunch of people playing various instruments um often say several banjos or something like that but that's not really what it's about and it's just people getting together experiencing music together doesn't matter if you play or are there to listen or sing or whatever um and anyways, touring's always kind of reflected that a little bit to me, um, so I think it's kind of a a sentimental thing for me a little bit um although I will tell you when I was a kid, I thought if I ever got on a tour bus, I would never get off, and you know they lose their they lose their their fun pretty fast <laughs> it's yeah, I believe that it's the way I word it is like it's kind of like take nine of your friends and like, they can be really close friends, but then you just go camping in an RV, but your campgrounds are behind hockey rinks (laughs) and that's what you do every day. Um, and, and so it can, it can be a little bit, uh, like groundhog day. Um, on tour sometimes so kind of like laura was saying we often try to find cool just what what does this place have to offer me a place that i maybe wouldn't have ended up if i wasn't doing this for a living and you can find some cool things almost anywhere i've found in canada it's always been nice exploring what what different towns have to offer i guess for a for a tourist experience
1: and he's also got to go like when I was flight attending, I was in Canada only, pretty right. like only, but yeah. Mitch has been some wicked.
2: And I've gone outside of Canada too, definitely mostly in Canada, but I've got, I have got to, you know, travel the world to a certain extent and, uh, would love to do more of that. I always say like, you know, I'll play to play to 40 people in Berlin, 40 nights in a row compared to 20 people in
0: Moose Jaw or something like <laughs> that, or 200 people in Moose Jaw or whatever, you know? Sorry, I was gonna say twenty people in Moose Jaw. Like that's that's a pretty slim crowd. (laughs) Apologies
2: to anyone listening from Moose Jaw. You know, like I said, there's a great Vietnamese
0: restaurant in Moose Jaw that I've been to. There's something (laughs) everywhere. That's that's a really good analogy. Like camping with your friends for a long time, and then in (laughs) being in like being like a Walmart parking lot or something. It can be a lot of fun too, right? It's like oh, absolutely. you, for for example, like,
2: you don't have to drive anywhere for, like, 40 days. So y- you can party every night and then just go to bed on your, on your rolling hotel. So there are parts of it that are really fun. Um, but yeah, usually when the bus parks at the venue for the day, I get off it immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I don't return until the end of the day. <laughs> right,
1: like, sure, you're saying you might not love being On a tour bus every day, but like, I mean, the reason you do what you do is because you love playing music.
0: One thing too that you guys did this past summer was. You guys did a, a concert on your front lawn, um, and we did, yeah. I was there with my girlfriend and my brother and sister in law, and we had a great time. It was really really cool. So maybe tell us a bit about how that whole idea came together. Maybe who the other musicians were, and um, the you, the three of you put on such a great performance. It was really special to be part of something so unique. Yeah, I had a lot of fun as well.
2: Um, it was. Uh, Laura's sister who lives on the other side of the duplex here, Jen's idea. I think she sort of saw me having a lot of things be canceled and being around home a lot, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit, to be honest, but eventually kind of wanting to just play music for the fun of it, basically. Um, And so she, got this idea to have a have a concert on the lawn which quickly became known as a lawn cert and um, uh, she kind of just asked me if I had anyone I played with who I thought would be a good fit for that type of vibe with kind of not a full band type of thing but a, a more stripped down performance and uh, uh, a friend of mine who I play with named Tim Buckley he goes by T Buckley as his Stage name, um, I thought would be a good fit, him and I and uh, our friend Jesse Dolomont, um played some music for the good folks of Confederation park <laughs> and uh, it was really fun after kind of quite a hiatus of not playing for people um, to to get to connect with people again, kind of like I was mentioning about touring like in an intimate way, which was a lot of fun
1: yeah, and like Jen has always been really good at bringing people together. It was easy for her. I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but like she just she had it right there. She made postcards. She went around like when we would take the kids for a walk in the park. We yeah. had like little postcards with us, and we handed them out to all our neighbors. Yeah, if
2: she wanted to become a concert promoter, she's got the skills.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like we borrowed a little tent, put that up, and just kind of like went with the flow, and it worked out really well. And I think it was. I, it was the weekend of neighbor day, I think, Yeah. which Jen had always like, since we moved to Canmore road, we'd been talking about like doing some sort of block party or something neighbor day in Calgary is like the, I think the third weekend in June every year. And so we were like, this would be perfect. And honestly the turnout, I mean, yeah, you were there. Like there was tons of people there.
2: It was kind of unexpected, honestly, to me, but there was lots of people just in the community who I think just heard some,
1: They heard some music. Like one, I remember one couple, they came over and they were like, we just got a text from our friends saying there's like a concert here. And they're like, we can't stay because our kids, we just put a movie on for them. But like, (laughs) we have to go back. But I think we'll do it again. Like we want to make it an annual thing, this lawn on mm Kenmore Road.
2: And it was, of course, like during this whole pandemic, right? So nobody was doing anything. Um, So the fact that we were doing something that was, you were able to be adequately distanced because we live across from a park. Um, it was like an easy sell, I think, for a lot of people, also because it was free.
0: So Right. I was, I was so amazed at how many people came out. It was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, like we were actually pretty stringent. We didn't hand out a ton of postcards or invite a ton of people like on our social media pages because, at that time, the limit for outdoor gatherings in Calgary was only a hundred people. And I definitely think we were at a hundred and a little bit we more than that, cusp, you know, it was outside and people were, were spread out, but it was just so awesome. And I, I think it was just this really needed experience of people connecting through the arts and also through like this simple act of being like neighborly with one another. Like it wasn't a big deal. People just like, I mean, you guys had to get in your car to drive here, but like it was
2: like our neighbor. It was close, right? Like neighbor Wendy had a couple of her friends over, and she was like bringing out seven layer dip and stuff on the lawn, and they were just like, it was wicked.
1: Yeah, we and we just it was such a good way to meet more of our the folks in our neighborhood. So,
0: well, and who knows? Maybe you could expand the compound. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well we said yeah if you buy a house on canmore mm-hmm. Road or it's rent that, a house
0: it's just that it's simple. just
1: that simple folks with this easy
0: pyramid scheme <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was such a cool thing to just sit outside and actually listen to live music again because it's been a while I think little things like that happening um just kind of keeps keeps people's spirit up it keeps a lot of things still feeling like they're normal, even though they definitely aren't. But I think it just helps, you know, you you do whatever you can with what
2: you've got. Yeah, there's ways to kind of figure it out and and press forward in, in spite of the circumstances.
0: I guess actually that works a little bit into a circumstance that you guys had with your youngest, with Odin. Maybe maybe just start from the beginning with Odin, if if you're okay talking about it. And maybe some of the... Well, yeah. Let's maybe talk about Odin and his little heart.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, so everybody in 2020 has been burdened by the idea of, like, quarantining and not seeing their people, but we've been, we're the OG quarantiners. (laughs) We, um, we've been not seeing folks since the beginning of 2020 because our youngest son Odin was born with a congenital heart defect and was scheduled for surgery in early January of this year. Um, and if you have a heart condition that's getting operated on, they won't like yeah, they're obviously very stringent about whether or not you're healthy when you go into the surgery. So Odie couldn't have he can't catch a he couldn't catch a cold or have any sort of like respiratory thing going on. So we've been kind of yeah, we had hand sanitizer on the table from
2: yeah.
1: day one of twenty twenty, just kind of if anyone came to our house, we were you know, there were very few visitors, but trying to keep him healthy and we actually weren't able to avoid him getting sick.
2: We failed.
1: Yeah, at the beginning of the year. So he was, um, he was, has always had this, he had this hole in his heart and they found this at the 18 week ultrasound when he was in utero, um, which wow, was- Wow,
0: that's pretty quick.
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like, you know, you learn a few things about typically when you, well, no, typically for us, which we've only had, we've only have one other kid. So we just, we went in kind of naively to these ultrasounds you know, you're excited because you think you're going to see that your kid has five little fingers and five little toes and blah, blah, blah. But for us, it was very different. Um, they found, you know, a millimeter difference on one of the scans in his heart that showed that he had something going on in his heart. And so it was just kind of after that, you know, the whole pregnancy was just, um, a ton of ultrasounds and a lot of kind of what if and not even what if, but like, it looks like this. So when he's born this kind of,
2: it was a lot of like, if this, then this, but we don't know this until this. And it was kind of a lot to
0: handle all of the possible outcome scenarios, I guess. Well, of course. And like, you hadn't even met him yet. right? He was still so tiny.
1: Yeah. So like we knew for sure he had a heart condition. Um, they saw that he would have what's called an AVSD, which is a like in layman's terms, just a hole in your heart. Um, and often, little babes with holes in their heart also have Down syndrome. So we had, you know, a lot of consultations with different folks advising us during the pregnancy. Um, and basically, it came down to the fact that you know, there was about a 50% chance that Odie would have Down syndrome. And so we were ready for that. And then we ended up finding out in utero, you can, um, well in Alberta, you can pay to get a blood test, which is wild that they can tell this from the mother's blood. Um, but they did a blood test on me that was able to say that the, that, they didn't think that Odin had down syndrome. Um, so that was a journey in and of itself because we were, um, committed to meeting Odie, you know, either way, um, and moving forward with everything. Uh, but then when he was born, he had, he still had this heart condition and he didn't have down syndrome and, yeah. It was just like, once he was born, they were able to obviously get better images on the ultrasound and things like that. And they, with the whole, the type of hole that he had, um, they were able to wait until he was a toddler to do open heart surgery, but we always knew that he would get open heart surgery at some point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So then I don't know, Mitch can maybe talk a little bit about, what that was like. He ended up getting open heart surgery on March 3rd of this year.
2: Yep. Um, Yeah. He kind of barely sneaked in, in what's considered an elective surgery um, before the pandemic kind of lockdown began. It's Really?
1: The only reason it's elective is because he wasn't yet in heart failure. It's kind of
2: odd, but for heart surgery, I guess. Um, patients it's not considered like a mandatory surgery until they go into heart failure which is kind of ridiculous but I understand why it has to be that way but um, anyways we we ended up having to go up to Edmonton for the surgery that's where the specialists are which um, I mean was unfortunate that it was in Calgary but also fortunate that it was just as close as Edmonton um, we had uh, friends of friends that we were able to stay with, um, which was uh, definitely uh, a weight off of us just yeah. needing to find a place and also financially um, paying for a place. Yeah, of course. It's kind of an unknown amount of days how how quickly um, they'll recover. And... There's a good chance I will confuse things in terms of chronologicalness <laughs> because kind of a haze. it's a, it's a bit of a haze, yeah. But we went up for uh, a surgery date that I no longer recall, but like in like mid <laughs> February, February seventh, yeah. And um, you have to do a pre-admission clinic where they do run a bunch of tests, and theoretically the next day um, will be the surgery and um odin got bumped off of the surgery list um because a more emergent case kind of came through i believe a transplant uh option became available is what happened um i'll spare you all the details of that day but it it sucked
0: for sure yeah i remember laura talking about something yeah choir rehearsal that week yeah. yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So we went up to Edmonton
2: kind of emotionally and mentally preparing for this to happen. Um and then it didn't. So we came back kind of defeated. I had to leave on a tour that was booked, um a shorter tour uh, days after. Um and so I did that, and then we had a new date of March 3rd, right? Um, and so then that was when we actually went to Edmonton, and it actually happened and was great.
1: <laughs> well, yeah,
2: was great. What <laughs> do you mean? It went really great, the <laughs> surgery. Yeah. Um,
1: it, well, yeah, I guess that's so funny that we think that, but, like, the pre-admission day, and Odin, that was the first time – that when it got bumped when we were in Edmonton for the pre, after the pre admission day, that was already the third time he'd been bumped, but only the first time we'd actually physically Mm -hmm. gone to Edmonton. The other time we bumped him with enough notice that we hadn't like driven there yet. Um, so I think, yeah, on March 3rd, when we went up there, we were just like,
2: we were kind of we were more
1: optimistic.
2: Yeah. To hopefully go through, I guess. Uh,
1: yeah. And then it was like, Honestly, it was like a, obviously a wild experience for your 18 month old to get open heart surgery, but I think more so like, we're just so proud of him and just so amazed at mm-hmm. how like resilient he is. And uh, we're so grateful that he's like, basically like, I mean, it sounds wild to even say, but like, he's all better. They, we were really lucky his heart defect So we're very much simplifying it. He had way more than just a hole in his heart. He had about, our surgeon said that he had about five things wrong with his heart, that he had each one thing that was wrong. He had repaired individually on other folks on their hearts, but he had never seen so many like things wrong with this one heart, but nothing was necessarily urgent. He just, they said that he had, um, what did they call his heart? Like, um, an anomaly. No, they, they referred to his heart as like just very, a very unusual an anatomy or like, but they were fascinated by it. They said, wow. He talked about Odin all the time. All the surgeons always talked about Odin because he just had such a weird little heart.
0: <laughs> like that's wild. I didn't know he had that many things going on in there.
1: Yeah, no. And honestly, neither did we. Like when the no. surgeon started drawing the f- picture of his heart and explaining things, of course, like most of it's over your head because you're, you know, you, we've been talking about hearts since he was in utero, but it's like a lot of just kind of like more generic terms. But then he, when he was drawing it out, being like, I'm gonna, like at one point he was like, I'm gonna take this. Yeah. Odin had an extra ridge on one of like the ventricles. I might even not even be saying this, right. But like they took some flesh from part of his heart and made another part like bigger with that. You know, they did some pretty Mm -hmm. amazing things and the surgeon was like, I've done, yeah, like I said, he'd done each individual thing on his own, but never in one little guy before. And so then it was even more wild because after Odin had been out of surgery for like, let's say maybe like 40 hours, he was like walking around Mm -hmm. like it was in
0: Incredible. Yeah, I remember it was either you, Laura, or maybe Mitch posted a video already or yeah. some photos of him like in that little um in the little play car and yeah. he was just oh, smiling. God. Like, yeah. how is that possible?
1: Yeah, that he's we'll have-
0: already that chipper that soon after it yeah, was incredible. incredible. Cruise, cruising around with like this weird drainage
2: pouch that's a tube going inside of his heart.
1: Directly like, into his heart, clipped yeah.
2: On. Oh. Like hospital jammies, but he's like pumped to be going to play. It's kind of crazy how how fast kids recover from uh,
0: something so intense.
2: Yeah, yeah like right,
0: if right. that had happened to one of us at our age, like yeah. we would be in the hospital for for weeks we for sure. For
1: weeks, and the nurses even said like adults are because they don't have that sense of urgency about playing, which sounds hilarious. <laughs> but they were just like little kids want to get up and go and they want they literally want to go play
2: and and adults oftentimes the way they were phrasing it is like they know that what's waiting for them is work and responsibilities and stuff like that and they're like i can just lay in a bed and watch tv for a few
0: weeks i'm gonna do that yeah 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 it's it's like a it's like a medically mandated vacation Yeah. yeah
1: no we were it was honestly it was really like in the grand scheme of your kid having a heart defect we feel really lucky. We know that that's not the case for like a lot of little ones. There's often like multiple surgeries and Odin, since the surgery has had a follow-up appointment, he had one in October and like, he's, I mean, he's basically good to go. Like he'll always have to be seen by a cardiologist. He'll probably go like every year, maybe as he's older, every few years, just to double check that everything's like growing accordingly and nothing's getting like plugged up. But like, We're plugged up, whatever medical medical terms.
2: Um,
1: yeah. So we're just like it was wild. We spent four days in the hospital, and they cut (laughs) into his chest. It's insane. So,
0: yeah. And he was running around in half that time.
1: Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, like they have. I mean, the hospital in Edmonton, the Children's Hospital, is called the Stollery, and they just have like some amazing ability to get kids like they want kids out and playing they have like this cool area called the beach and you we saw so many kids there with like random bags of bodily fluids clipped to their pajamas with like tubes coming out of their bodies some of them are still like in their hospital beds or like in a wheelchair or whatever and they're making it work like they're accommodating these kids to go and play Mm
2: -hmm. a lot of a lot of the uh I guess apparatuses or apparati. I don't know what the plural is. Probably not apparatus. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that you need to like monitor different oxygen levels and stuff. Most of them are portable. Like they can be taken off on a battery pack and you Oh can really kind of roam around, which I think is very intentional.
1: Yeah. So Odie, we would have to carry a little like yeah, battery heart monitor thing. And basically they're like, Okay, if it starts beeping like crazy, bring him back because it just means he's getting
0: He's getting like too, a tired. Little too tired or whatever yeah, right but. well i mean his energy level has certainly just jumped ever since like i've seen him running around mm-hmm. a little bit like he mm-hmm. was i think i saw him through the window at the lawn cert oh no he was out on the bench across the street
1: oh yeah he was yeah with you probably. guys
0: and he was just zooming around yeah it's crazy just tearing up the street we should have got them to install a dimmer switch <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, is really, really busy now, which they said like often kids with heart defects, they are not getting like Odie, the way his heart worked, you know, normally your heart gets deoxygenated blood and then it goes through, through the heart and gets oxygenated and then pumps out to your body. And that's how you like, obviously have like energy and many other things, but right. blood yeah. was always getting mixed, the oxygenated and deoxygenated blood was always kind of pooling together and so he they often call babies like him blue babies because I mean he didn't come out blue by any means he had good circulation but like they can where they're literally just not getting enough like red Red blood and so they were like don't be surprised if after the surgery he just books it and it took a while but I would say now he is uh, that kid is oxygenated
0: (laughs) yeah 100%
1: yeah he's very high energy
0: you just running on all four, all four cylinders. Oh yeah, you know it. What's one thread or theme that you've seen continue through your lives and your experiences being on the road or in planes or with your kids and with family what's what's a through line or consistent theme that you've seen show up again and again
2: like this is maybe overly concise but just because things are hard or difficult or challenging to do doesn't mean they aren't worth doing the way you want them to be done Mm -hmm. um and there's you know that can be weaved through lots of different things um parenting being an obvious one but there's there's definitely easier ways to parent that maybe aren't better ways to parent without getting into specifics and sometimes it's it would be easier to not do the right thing but Um, I think it's important to try to continue to strive for what you think is right Mm. and kind of fight through the, the garbage that you sometimes have to, to get there.
1: Yeah. And then I think for me, um, like, this might not explicitly answer your question, but just like the theme that keeps coming back in my mind right now is just like, um, it's okay to like, invest in your people and not um yeah and just like and not be trying to please all these people around you I don't know like maybe I'm just like immersed in the COVID world but it's just like
2: you don't have to be everything to everyone you can just pick you can just focus in on a group of people that kind of you can handle and give it your all
1: yeah I don't know maybe it's memory lane that's making me think this you've made us you've like or you've you've taken us on this nice journey through like our history together. And I mean, the theme is just like obviously Mitch and I doing this thing and raising these kids and having all these adventures. And at the end of the day, it comes back to comes back to him and I and our kids and like the people who are close to us in, you know, our work and our, in the choir and all these things. And, um, I don't know, that's enough for me. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I think there's definitely, Um, a lot to be said for at the end of the day, what matters is the people that are around you and the people in your inner circle that, you know, have your back.
1: Yeah, totally. It doesn't
0: matter what life throws at you. There's always a support network to fall back on. There's always family. There's always your close friends that you can rely on.
1: Yeah, for sure. I do feel like some people who hear us talk about the way that we live, like in community, um, I mean, I I think we both tried to articulate, like, we know that it's a privilege. We know that it's not everybody's story. The built-in community that we have, like, we don't take that for granted, especially when we get surgery or we go through a global pandemic or something like that. Like, I think, you know, we're very aware of The abundance that we have in that regard, and we're not—I think—we're aware of it, and we're grateful for it. And I guess that's all I mean is like sticking close to, like, you know, it's us, it's us and our our family and our friends and the people that we've invited into our inner circle that are, um, yeah, that are making this like compound life or whatever you want to call it happen, and we're pumped about it. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for spending um, a bit of time here tonight, just hanging out and chatting. And, no and it's cool to see what's what's happened. And I'm excited to see what will happen for the both of you. So
1: it's thanks. a privilege
0: to know the both of you. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks for having
1: us. Yeah, we're pumped about this. It's awesome.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, consider becoming a patron of the show. This is a completely solo project right now, and I've spent a bit of money and even more time to bring it to you, the listener. This being a free podcast, if you want to support the content that you consume, check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Unexpected Experts. There are a few tiers of membership starting at three bucks a month, which include a shout out on the show, a second podcast that's currently in development, patron exclusive access and other bonuses like unedited content, patron input and polls, and behind-the-scenes access into the interview and creative process that goes into making this show. Again, that's all at patreon.com slash unexpectedexperts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Unexpected Experts podcast.